This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Coming up here in about 15 minutes, Alex Atkins. He's your offensive coordinator for the Florida State Seminoles. He will be on the show making his debut. A lot to talk about with Florida State, especially with Jordan Travis, a quarterback. And speaking of quarterbacks, we had an exercise the other day, Tom. Okay. Uh, Wes and I were asked to basically put together, given the current, let me emphasize, current rosters of ACC teams, quarterbacks and different uh, aspects of a quarterback to build the ultimate conference quarterback. All right? All right. So I'm going to give you my list, and then we'll get to yours. And you can be a critic of this all you want. Uh, Our first deal was arm strength. I went with DJ down there in Tigertown. Accuracy, I went Devin Leary. Pretty good. Now, again, there's a couple of these categories. I think you could put three or four different guys. Of course, this, absolutely. This is what makes the conference so good and so deep in the quarterback department. Uh, size, there's a couple dudes, but I went with Phil Jakovic at Boston College. That's a grown man. Speed, you could have gone Jordan Travis, but I went with Malik Cunningham because he is off to the races. Uh, football IQ, this was one I could have, again, given you three or four easy answers. I went with Sam Hartman at uh-huh. Wake Forest just because I could. Uh, Vision, Tyler Van Dyke. Love the way TVD sees the field downfield, and, man, he just throws it on a dime. Toughness, I went with the guy that, guess what? When he decides to run, you better buckle your chin strap because Schrader will run over you. That's a grown man at quarterback. And leadership, I love the savviness of Brennan Armstrong. And I gave you some. There was no repeat offenders, if you will. No, there weren't. On my list. And ironically, Jordan Travis not on the list. I gave you eight without Jordan Travis. But see, I I mistook one of the items as being more of an aspect of a runner. Fair enough. Right? There are no rules here. Right. So when I looked at vision... All right, I'm thinking of that as a runner. So let, let, let's go down the list here. So DJ, obviously, arm strength. I think everybody would agree there. Accuracy, I put, um, well, that's you. That's me. But if you want to Why read mine, go right ahead. Well, no, I mean, what, how, where, where is Luke's ultimate ACC? You want to see yours? Graphic? Should we just stop I mean, at DJ and we just call it even? I mean, what? Holy, well, what is going on? I mean, I sent it in for a well, reason. Let me just say this. But while they line yours up, yeah, because they've got it locked and loaded. <laughs> yeah, we we agreed with DJ with arm strength. Yes, we because did my partner Wes Durham disagreed with that. He did. Yeah. Who did he say? He went with Slovis at Pitt. Not even in the same area code. Just tell me what he said. Okay. That's an inaccurate selection. Well, I mean, if you want to pick on him because he's not here, that's up to you. No, I'm on, we're on national I television. Because I disagreed with him as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as you can well imagine, since you and I both agreed it was DJ who had the best arm strength. So I went, I went Van Dyke for accuracy, and you're right. You could have gone a couple of different ways because the numbers were off the chart in terms of accuracy for Devin Leary as well. Um, the, the one thing I, I thought was interesting about him is he just doesn't turn the ball over, and neither, do, neither does Leary, but... To go for as long as he went over the course of a season, all right, given his limited experience, which is very limited compared to Devin Leary, I thought he was remarkably accurate. So I went I went with Tyler Van Dyke on the accuracy side. You know what uh, I liked about this guy last year when they get ready to play NC State? And he basically said, well, hey, we beat these guys last year. Why aren't we going to beat them again? And yeah. you were, this was during the middle of the season. Oh, right? yeah. And he really had not established himself yet. played. Right. And Dave Doran took offense to it. Well, he should have. No I mean, question. I think we did, too, on the show because yeah. it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, dude, 
Yeah. Let, let's walk Tap before we run a little bit. Yeah. And, and then he went out and just balled. Yeah. Just played great the I, whole season. I, I think his, and again, you know, you used him for vision. And I, I can see that from seeing the field and knowing where to place the ball. Um, he just puts the ball in a spot. You mentioned that with Phillip Rivers where he, you rarely have to make an adjustment. I think that's that's the thing is, you know, I, I, you talk quarterback play sometimes and these guys throw a little seven-yard drive route. And if you throw it behind him, he's tackled for a five-yard gain. If you throw it a foot in front of the numbers, he catches it, turns, and he runs for 70 yards. Yeah. Right? That 70 yards goes on your tally. So um, so I went there. So size, Phil Dracovic. I totally agree with you here. It could have been e- you easily could have gone with DJ, very similar in dimensions, that big, thick, physical stature. So, but your COVID's like a legit six five. Oh, I mean, there's yeah, yeah. Sometimes you see these listings, you're like, you stand beside him, you're like, well, he's not six four, he's no. only six two. Or yeah, whatever. No, no, he is. This a guy six, is yeah. an NFL bodied quarterback. There's no question, and he's a big, tall, long limbed prospect, uh, thickly built through the torso. This is uh this is your prototypical and maybe not so much in today's game but uh, historically your prototypical NFL build. You know like when I stood is. beside uh, Troy Aikman the first time. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like thick. Oh just, yeah. I mean, and you know you watch all these guys on TV it's like I said the other day it's like watching a NASCAR race when everybody's going 200 miles an hour you don't think they're going very fast. You see them in person, person. you go holy mackerel these people crazy. Yeah. NFL guys are the same way, yeah, especially quarterbacks. You stand with. Oh, like you see Cam play. Newton in person, you're going. Oh, Cam Newton's a freak. Yeah, he. I mean, he's a T Rex. There aren't any more of them. Right. You're like, right. holy mackerel! Yeah, you got to yeah. be kidding me. There's, but your COVID no gives you the same vibe when you stand beside him. You go, man, that's a big guy now. Yeah. All right. All right. Speed. You and I agree. Definitely going with Malik Cunningham. Um, just an absolute difference maker when it comes to. Once he's in the open field and he has a crease, like you see here, taking the front door, he's off to the races. And then you've got the suddenness and the wiggle to make people miss. And he's one of those guys, like if you see that right there, you didn't even get a hand on it. It wasn't touched. Right? It wasn't touched. And, in, by the way, that's, and in tight quarters. And that's a defense that can run. Yes. It's not me chasing him. Right. That's Clemson's defense going, I can't get to him. I can't get to him. Yeah, I can't get my hand on him. Now, this next one was what I went back and forth with on accuracy and football IQ. So I put um, Devin Leary with football IQ, and here's the reason why. Get it? Three different offensive coordinators, three different football coaches He has at the quarterback position has learned an awful lot of football. When I say football, theory of the game different ways to skin a cat, uh, understanding what he's seeing, how to attack, uh, pre-snap and post-snap diagnosis. And when you've been trained and taught by a variety of different people, you are naturally going to absorb um, an awful lot when it comes to the theory of the game. Because I think, you know, we, we talk recruiting a lot these last couple of days. And, you know, oftentimes the biggest challenge in recruiting when you're recruiting a quarterback is what do they know? Are they sitting there in the shotgun, raising their leg, clapping, waiting for the snap, and then they look to the sideline and the coach says, okay, throw the bubble screen, right? I mean, what do they actually know? I think he's got a very high IQ, and I think it's because of the people that he's been around. All right, before you go any further, I'm going to stop right here. Is this the hardest one to answer? Because I, I found myself, when I went through this exercise last week, there were a couple where I'm like, gosh, I could pick three or four different guys here in the league. And again, these are just active ACC quarterbacks. We're right. not talking, I mean, this is how good our league is from a quarterback perspective. I think toughness, football IQ, and leadership 
all three of those were the toughest for me IQ because there was were hardest. so many candidates. IQ was the hardest one yeah. for me. Okay. Because I think you could go for five deep easy. And, yeah. and, and if somebody called in and said, how in the world did you pick Sam Hartman? Pack? Yeah. How'd you pick Leary? It yeah. needs to be, you'd go, I get it. Right. I get it. Right. So this next one, and I misunderstood it a little bit, but I, I can kind of see how I can work my way into it for vision. It's your rules. You come up with I ended rules. up. I ended up still using Malik Cunningham here from an awareness of his surroundings and the ability to feel the walls closing in, be able to navigate tight quarters under duress and keep his eyes downfield. Because I think the one thing when you watch him this year, yes, he can run. Yes, he can be used as a designated runner. But watch sometimes if he gets flushed. Watch if he has to evade and he's got to get out to the sideline. He's not doing it with the intent of always just saying, okay, I'm going to use my legs and I'm going to run. It's eyes downfield. Can I get a second passing opportunity? Oh, no, I can't. And now what happens, you put so much strain on the defense because the, the defender, whether their back's turned to him or not, the defender doesn't know, well, wait a minute, is he going to still pull up and throw it? Or do I need to commit to coming up and run support? And the next thing you know, he's going to pop one right over my head. So from a field vision standpoint, I think there are a variety. I think one of the best field vision passers in this league is actually Brendan Armstrong. That's what I was going to say. Brendan Armstrong is really undervalued in that regard. When you were describing that play, I'm thinking, well, I've seen Brendan Armstrong do that. And one of the reasons for it is, number one, he has a great feel. And number two, his perimeter guys are great. Right, yes. no question. And And he's got guys that can jump up and get it. He's got size. 50-50 ball. He can throw a ball up there 10 feet and go, guess what? My guy's the only guy on the planet. And what do you call those guys? Frisbee catching dogs. That's right. That's what they always will be. So you take the human blur. And you take a jackrabbit and cleats, and I'll take frisbee catching dogs. We'll do a trade. It's a two it's for good. one. I like it. Get a good deal today. Uh, hey, you know what? I'm starting to feel better as opposed to what better? happened at 645. Incrementally? To, incrementally you know, better? at 645 a.m. this morning, right. I was very disappointed. Very dis- depressed, actually. All right. For toughness, I actually went with Brennan Armstrong. I just think this guy has grit. He's both physically and mentally tough. Um, if he gets an opportunity and that tough yard needs to be handled... It doesn't matter if the linebacker barreling down on him. If he's running, he's going to lower the shoulder and he's going to deliver the blow. He's the hammer, not the nail. So I just think that there's a remarkable amount of toughness in his style of play. He oozes toughness, if you will, um, as a player. I think it's why he garners so much respect from his teammates. I get that too. And uh, when I I was doing this, I picked Garrett Schrader just Mm -hmm. because I think he is the most physical in terms of, hey, I'm going to go run the football. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I mean, he doesn't even well, look it's like kind a of like It's kind of like Dracovic's size with the, the running really innate running ability. Yes. That's exactly yeah. right. That's, yeah. that's what I was thinking about yeah. when I tried to figure this thing out. But my number two pick was Brendan Armstrong yeah. for the yep. exact same thing you talked about. That savviness and the fact that he goes, I don't mind getting hit. Yeah. In fact, in fact if anything, I may hurt you if you hit me. I mean, sure. I, I just love his whole football mentality. All right, I like it. We're, we're, we're along we're the similar. same lines in a lot of this stuff. All yeah. right, uh, last one for me, and I think it can oftentimes be something that's difficult to diagnose. Leadership, I put Sam Hartman. And the reason why I put Sam Hartman at Wake Forest is this was somebody that's always had to earn every single thing he's gotten. Wasn't recruited heavily out of high school. Was 180 pounds, about a little over six foot tall, soaking wet with rocks in his pockets. And then next thing you know, he plays as a true freshman and wasn't expected to. And then guess what? 
ends up having to be the backup and sit the next year because you got Jamie Newman back. What does he not do? He doesn't transfer. This guy at every turn has earned the respect of his the respect of his teammates. You saw him uh, addressing his football team right there. When I see guys doing that, you know what I look at? I look at all of the other guys, not him. I want to see if their helmets are down or if their, helmets, their eyes are up. They're normally paying clip, attention. Absolutely, they're paying attention. So, again, this was a tough one for me. I, I just think that he embodies – you have a guy that walks the walk, talks the talk. He's, he's that type of guy, and I think there's a lot of respect for him. Well, your point about Jamie Newman is a good one. Uh, and Jamie Newman was a really good player yeah. before he transferred for, to Georgia for like, I don't know, 25 minutes. Yes, and then yeah. I don't know whatever happened to him. Isn't it amazing? Uh, but in this, it goes back to what we've talked about even yesterday with the transfer portal. The kids that say, hey, you know what? I like it here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want to play. We all want to play. Mm-hmm. But I picked this school for a reason. Yeah. And for Wake Forest, academics makes a ton of sense. And he put in his time. Yes. And now he's got the reward that no he's doubt. done to do work. He's doing his due diligence. Uh, his team's really good. They've surrounded him with really good players, and he's having a great career. Yeah, he's, he's having, back he's, for more. He's back for more, and uh, I think he's one of those guys. He, he's poised for a huge year. Great. I, I just really is. With all the people they got back, oh, man. They're going to score really now. Good. All right, yeah. so uh, of all the categories, did you want to add one? Did you? Is there something missing in our ultimate quarterback? Here? I would have I would have added um, competitive temperament. Um, but again, I think that kind of gets right, so encompassed how would you in, it? In, in, if in I said leadership you, all right, snap. and toughness. You get it. Competitive, whatever that was. Competitive temperament? Temperament. Who do you pick? Hmm. Here's the problem. This is why it's so hard. This, this, if you're at home watching us and going, oh, it's easy. It's so-and-so. Okay, great. Go knock them all out. I'm just yeah, telling you, you right. will find this to be, it's only because the league is so good at the quarterback right. position. Right. There's and so I, many to pick from. And I think that that trait, you know, you can look at a Brandon Armstrong. You can look at a Sam Hartman. I think you can look at a Devin Leary. I think you can look at a Phil Dracovic. Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke. You know, it's like those guys, it doesn't matter if you're playing fiddlesticks, chess. Walking across checkers, the street. Walking across the street. All of a sudden, you're walking next to a guy. You start walking a little half a step faster than him. Why? Because <laughs> you want to win to get to the other side of the matters. sidewalk. Right? All right, here we go. Head to head. Some similarities here. Yeah. And a lot of changes with ours, if we shifted one from another, it was kind of for the same reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I think the uh, the toughness thing, we were in the same neighborhood, even though we picked differently. Um, again, there's so many of these. I think you could have just flip-flopped and right. gone, okay, cool. I got no problem like with Leary it. Like Leary and Van Dyke for accuracy and football IQ could easily flip. Yeah. And I think Sam Hartman's in there too. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. But here's the thing. Again, I, when I went through this thing, I realized afterwards – well, I, I picked somebody different in every category and did not select Jordan Travis, who you probably could have put in for speed. Right. Right. I mean, it wasn't Malik Cunningham. Right. It's certainly Jordan Travis. Yes. Uh, you mentioned vision. He's got a good feel as well as a guy that kind of understands, hey, the pocket's gone. Yeah. I'm out of here. Catch you later. Yeah. So many good ones, man. Yeah. Good we, ones. We were, I thought we were blessed last year in the conference in terms of quarterback play yeah. versus the rest of the country. I think the difference between this league and everybody else this year, maybe even maybe greater. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And well, and far greater experience. That's the thing. You got more viable snaps, a bigger sample size yeah. now of everybody coming back. Even even if you're look if you're talking about Clemson's situation, I mean, I understand that the performance wasn't what everybody wanted it to be, but that's a big sample size of learning opportunities, experience, of knowing the offense. The offense isn't gonna change. If you're a DJ, obviously you've got to perform. But you've played a lot more football now. Exactly right. Yeah. 
And expectation is always a factor. Uh, quick break. We come back. Our first guest of the day makes his debut. Alex Atkins, Florida State Offensive Coordinator. And speaking of Jordan Travis on the offense, we're going to get into it. Deep dive on the Knowles. Coming up next, Tom Luganville filled in for Wes. It's Packer and Durham on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Back to Packer and Durham. Tom Luganville filling in for Wes. Wes back tomorrow. Uh, 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program, but our next guest will make his debut. He's at uh, third year at Florida State. First year as the offensive coordinator. Alex Atkins joins us. Coach, first of all, good morning. We appreciate the time. Hope life's treating you well. Oh, man, life is good. I appreciate you having me this morning. You got it. Uh, we were just going through quarterbacks, and I know that when you start taking inventory uh, with your team offensively, you got to love the fact that you got Jordan Travis back. And I just loved his attitude after the spring game where he said, hey, guess what? We're going to score on people. But the leadership that you're seeing out of Jordan, uh, I mean, how different is it now versus maybe even a year ago? Uh, confidence. You know, you get confidence within the work. So he's worked himself into having realistic leadership and not just fake enthusiasm. He's put the time in. He's put the work in. He's built the relationships with the guys on that he's going to play with, and um, he, he's kind of taking charge of this thing. You know, that's what I told Coach. I said it's no longer, you know, the Florida State offense, it's the Jordan Travis offense. Coach, from an offensive line's perspective, which is where your background comes from, and and you're now working closely, obviously, with, with Mike Norvell, who's had tremendous offensive success everywhere he's been. What do you add to this equation? What is it that you bring um, to whether it's the day-to-day, whether it's the game prep and the game planning, um, how you guys are devising what you want this offense to be? Well, yeah, Coach, Coach has always been awesome. We all kind of get in there and share our ideas and the things we've done in the past that have been successful. And we get in, the, we get in that coaching staff room and we go in there and we, we work it out. You know, everything that, you know, first of all, we look at our own personnel and see the things that they can do. And then we make sure we're putting them in the best possible situation. And uh, we use the things that we've done before. And then, like you said, working for Coach Novell is amazing because he's pretty much done it all. You know, and and so what I said, what I bring to the table is more just things I've done in the past. Whether I had a um, you know, triple offense, um, triple option background, I've had pro style background, I've had some spread background of just finding unique ways to put our players in the best possible situation. And uh, we we take all uh, opinions in that in that regard. Uh, as far as your personnel goes, uh, obviously Tom and I have talked a lot about recruiting today. You guys have done a nice job on that front, but you've also done a nice job in terms of filling offensive holes through the transfer portal, especially at wide receiver. Uh, if you're going to crystal ball for Florida State fans watching this morning, what would you tell them about the wide receiver core? Well, yeah, the portal kind of gives you, um, you know, some ways to fill in some holes pretty quickly, but it also still doesn't hurt us in high school recruitment because we still sign a bunch of high school players. I would say, you know, the preview of going to that wide receiver room is just, just be ready. We signed some guys with some length and some, some guys that can run and change direction and uh, added some good competition in that room. And even the guys that have been on the roster, we forget how young they are, they're able to grow up, and we added some older guys that can show them some work ethic and different perspective of where they come from. So I'm excited because I've been seeing these guys work in the offseason, and I can't wait for them to showcase themselves. Coach, from an improvement standpoint, obviously you, you head into an offseason and you spend some time in the stealth scouting area, and then you head into spring football, and there are items that you feel like, hey, we've got to get better here. 
really good in red zone efficiency a year ago with this offense. What are some areas that need to catch up for 2022 for you guys to be the ultimate offense you want to be? Well, it starts with me and my position that I'm primarily responsible for. That's the offensive line. So we added some key pieces, added some guys in the um, in the offseason, and also created some more competition, signed a really good high school class with some guys in here this summer already competing. So I would say we want to make sure we're, we're more, we're, we're, we don't drop off the bottom when we lose a guy and making sure we can have enough guys in there. We like to have about eight or nine guys that can go into a game and, and, and operate at the efficiency that we want. So I would say improving that unit and also just the cohesiveness of growing with our team. We played a lot of young guys early when we got here. Now those guys are growing together. Quarterback, all, all of them have been together for so long that it's been, it's, it's the true process of starting young and getting old and working with those cohesiveness. And I believe, you know, it's been good to watch and fun. You know, Tom mentioned how good uh, Florida State was last year in the red zone, and there's no doubt about that. But I'm sure that one area that you want to improve on is tackle for loss. I mean, there, there were a lot of unfortunate negative plays that kind of put you behind the chains and uh, put you in a position where, hey, we're not playing to our strength. Uh, I guess that goes back to your experience up front with this offensive line, doesn't it? I mean, that seems to be a key here. Yeah, that, that's usually the, 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 the more glaring thing. You know, there's always some things, whether, the, you know, we don't block a guy, we call an RPO, we don't get a route ran, or, you know, it, there's so many – ways to go into it, um, different aspects to go into tackle for loss. But it's definitely something we studied in this offseason, and, and, and it goes down to staying out of third and long. You know, every offensive coach get up here and say we want to stay in them third and manageable situations, so we got to start on first down. So that was a big emphasis this spring. And, and understanding we can't have those major critical missed assignments that comes with youth, you know, and the big eyes and things like that. I think those big eyes are starting to kind of come in a little bit so we can focus and not have those catastrophic mistakes. You know, Coach, you reference, you know, youth or inexperience, and sometimes youth and inexperience isn't a lack of talent. It just maybe they haven't played yet. Uh, whether it's a senior, whether it's a junior, whether it's a freshman, if you remove Jordan Travis from the discussion, who would you call the kids that are becoming your bell cows, your pied pipers, your leaders on this offense that you feel like you can rely upon if things aren't going well or you're having a, a, a down series or you're not having a great practice? Who would those guys be offensively? Well, yeah, we, we talked about this as an offensive unit, you know, more supporting each other and making sure we're putting in the work to be able to lead our group. But some guys I'll give a kind of an early shout out to a guy that kind of taken the reins and we start with the offensive line. Uh, Dylan Gibbons has done a really good job. Maurice Smith has done a really good job. Robert Scott, those guys in that room have done a really good job of, of keeping the group together and because everybody's happy during the good times. But what about when the adverse moments hit in the receiver room? We're talking about Keyshawn Heldon has been a guy that voice echoes in my life. I like the way Pokey Wilson has been stepping up in his workouts. Now, he, he's a guy that doesn't have to say much, but he does it through his work and his action and things like that. So those guys and Treshawn Ward, who's a little tough guy, you know, you learn his story, how he walked on and became a scholarship player. And, and now those guys respect him so much and doing a great job. Cam McDonald in the tight end room. You know, there's guys, you know, in each position room, I would say, have been stepping up in that leadership role, but more just putting the work in and displaying, hey, I've been in these adverse moments. Let me show you how we came out of them, and let me show you what the standard is now moving forward. Coach, you just mentioned a second ago about uh, some of these kids, their eyes get big, and now all of a sudden they're starting to get mm -hmm. dialed in and getting used to it. Uh, this is your mm -hmm. third year at Florida State. Uh, do you remember the first time? You saw the flaming spear being in Doak. How, how big were your eyes the first time you saw that place lit up, ready to go? Well, I had to remove my, my fan, my the fan in me pretty quickly, you know. But um, <laughs> it's an amazing, amazing thing to see in person with just the tradition and, 
and seeing, you know, Osceola and Renegade ride in, and, and it's an amazing sight to see, you know, and you kind of lose yourself for a second. Even you see the opponents, you know, we stand right there close to the numbers, both teams, and, and you see the opponents also taking um, the big eye moment to see the tradition of Florida State. It's an amazing sight. You know, last year, and Tom and I were talking about this a while ago, uh, you guys got off to a lousy start. There was all kinds of mm -hmm. people buzzing, oh, Florida State this, Florida State that. You, your staff, your team, players, administration, everybody really did rally around the end of September because that thing could have gotten haywire last year. What did you find out about your football team, uh, whether it be the offensive side, defensive side, everybody in that locker room, because you guys bought in to what was going on to get that thing turned around and really played good football the second half of the season? Yeah, you know, um, it's a credit to our, our, our players. You know, we, we never – even flinched, you know, they, they knew to keep getting better and keep gaining that 1% as coach talks about. And as we move forward, there was never a feeling of things going off the rails or, or I never, we, we never had that emotion. We just knew we had to continue to get better, continue to correct the things that were correcting, whether it had been the penalties, whether it had been the silly mistakes, whether it had been the plan from the coaches, all of it, you know, all of us were looking for that. Hey, we got to keep improving the roster that we have and, and doing a good job of making sure we hit the things and be honest with our players and be honest with ourselves as we're going into this. But no, nah, those guys did a tremendous job. You know, I think, you know, being from the outside, you know, looking outside in, I would say the same thing, you know, but being on the inside, it, it never felt like that. It was more of we know what we have, we know where we're going, we know what we're capable of. Let's just make sure we go out there and execute it. And, um, and, and Jordan getting healthy also helped a lot too. Yeah, there's no question about that. By the way, we're sitting here at the end of June. Uh, media days get started here in a couple of weeks. Fans are already ready to go. We're 60 days out from kick. Uh, what do you think is the one thing, the one thing about Florida State football in 22 that fans are going to be pleasantly surprised by? When they see how our kids respond and the improvement and the leaps and bounds that they've made. You know, our, our kids have faced a lot of adversity through this journey of going and, and putting this 22 team together. And I can't wait for them to see how this team, you talk about starting 0-4 and, and going and playing good football, we're still con we're going to continue that work going forward with an offseason behind it. So I'm just excited for these players to be able to showcase themselves and showcase the work that they put in. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, we're looking forward to it too. Hey, tell uh, Coach Norvell we said hello. We appreciate you making your debut with us. Uh, enjoy whatever downtime you get these days. <laughs> And uh, we'll be ready to watch the Knowles in 22, my man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. I, I appreciate y'all. Thank you. You got it. There's Alex Atkins, third year at Florida State, first year's offensive coordinator. And I do think there's yeah. a lot of optimism in Tallahassee. There's no question. And I think a lot of it is because for the first time in a long time, when things didn't go well, the team actually responded in a positive manner. And they didn't fold their tent. They didn't just pack it in. They didn't go in the tank, which we had seen considerably. And, again, I think that's a reflection of – your locker room yeah. uh, guys are either going to they're either going to step up and have some pride and make plays or, or they're not. But I will say this. He is going to have some time on his hands because it's dead. It's a dead period in recruiting. Yeah. Well, you better enjoy <laughs> it while you can, because I'm going to tell you something. As a coach in these day and age, uh, there is no really downtime. No. You're always working. Uh, we take a quick break in case you missed Gene Chiswick. Uh, he was great the other day with us. We're going to touch base with coach. And uh, if you missed it, you won't now because it's coming up next. Packer and Durham. Tom Luganville in for Wes. Guys on ACC Network. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham. 
Uh, in case you missed Gene Chizik, who's an old buddy of ours, and he's now back sure. into coaching and left this television world to get back into coaching in North Carolina. Uh, he was on with us about a week or so ago and was terrific as he normally is. And we asked him, or at least he told us, just how many times Mac Brown tried to convince him to come back into coaching. Here's what he said. We talked quite a bit. And obviously, when we had conversations before, uh, there was a lot of, you know, it came up, right? I mean, it always came up about because, you know, typically every year I would get offered jobs. And, and a lot of times I would call Mac and say, you know, what do you think about this? And, and we would have some dialogue. And uh, obviously in those conversations, he's like, well, are you ready to jump back in and do this? And, um, you know, and I felt like I had one more shot left in me if the right scenario occurred. And, and really that was kind of the theme uh, every time we talked about it. So we had those conversations, even when we were in TV together, you know, we would go out to dinner or, or whatnot and we would have those conversations. And I would say, I think I have one more shot left in me, but obviously I could be picky um, and it had to be the right fit for me. So over the last five years, there's been a lot of, of scenarios that I've, that I've turned, turned down and walked away from uh, potentially doing. So when this came about, I didn't even know that's what the call was about. Um, I didn't, you know, I knew that, you know, there was, you know, some, some issues, you know, defensively potentially with North Carolina, cause I followed them a little bit, but I didn't really, you know, keep up with anything. So when Matt called on this particular day, I had no idea, uh, that it was about potentially taking this job, which was, which was interesting. So it kind of caught me off guard, but we definitely had those conversations in the past. Coach, before we get uh, to your team, I, I want to go backwards because you and I have spent many – we've broken many a bread talking about the world of college football. Uh, since you've now been back for part two in Chapel Hill, from a recruiting perspective, given the change of the landscape of name, image, and likeness and the transfer portal and the mindset of the power of the student-athlete having more control and power than ever before – how has that experience been for you going on the recruiting trail and going back to the past days, whether you're at Texas or at Auburn or at North Carolina part one, whatever the case, Iowa state, we go through the whole list here, but how does that feel? How does it feel totally different on the recruiting trail for you, given your experience this calendar year? You know, Pat, definitely a learning curve. Um, you know, it's been the whole the whole scenario for me coming back, uh, being removed for five years, huge learning curve. Um, the approach recruiting wise hasn't changed. I think Mac is is one of the master recruiters in the country. Um, that's well documented. But learning the landscape with uh, NIL, what does that mean? What does that mean in recruiting? What does that look like? Uh, the transfer portal. What does that mean on how you coach players and how you recruit players and, and things of that nature and how they kind of intertwine, right? All of those things are, are related to each other. Uh, and it's been a learning curve for me. Um, but, you know, coach does it, Mac does a masterful job of um, keeping our staff informed and us communicating on big picture ideas, right? Like how are we handling the NIL stuff, which, you know, as you know, the biggest potential problem is locker room division. I mean, that, that's it. Right. So um, I think he's done an incredible job with our kids here of handling uh, the whole NIL scenario. We have some great entities in place to walk us through uh, the ways to do this right. 
What is it about college football now, today, that you could take from your times in Austin, your times at Auburn, and look at what's going on at North Carolina and go, guess what? Here is what we need to go from here to championship caliber, whether it be national championship, ACC championship, college football playoff, whatever you're doing, however you want to define it. What's, what's the missing piece right now when you look at this team? To me, Pac, every team that I've been on that's been great had three elements. They're selfless, they're tough, and they're disciplined. And, and those three things just jump out at me, right? Number one is being selfless because, you know, when that happens, nobody cares who gets the credit. They just want to win. And that's one of the things we talk to our guys all about in every great team that we've been on is that when you win, everybody gets more. So, you know, whatever your job is, whatever we're asking you to do, you have to be selfless in the approach. That's number one. Number two, you got to be mentally and physically tough. This game has never been uh, more challenging in terms of the mental part, not just because of what happens on the field. It's because everybody has a voice out there, right? And so when you come off the field after a game, everybody's got an opinion on how you played. And that's not just a quarterback, right? That can be a corner. That can be a safety. You know, people see you miss a tackle or people see, you know, then people, everybody's got an opinion. And unfortunately, most young guys this day, these days, they read about it. They hear about it. So the mental part of being tough, not just physically, but being mentally tough to be able to block out all the outside noise, it's never been, it's never been more important. And then football is just a game of discipline. It really is, right? Games are usually not won and lost because the opponent is so much more talented than you when you get into league play, okay? And yes, in some teams, there's a disparity in talent. We know that. But in most cases, you are good or bad on offense or defense because of discipline issues, because of breakdowns somewhere. So it's about being accountable. It's about being disciplined. It's about doing your job. And all three, and I've been on three undefeated teams probably in the last 15 years, okay? And I haven't even coached for five of those. But probably in my last 10 years, I was on three undefeated teams. So that's really hard to do in college football. And they were all different. But the way they were similar is that you had a very, uh, there was an element of, of selflessness. And in this day when it's all about me, social media, look at me, let me go do a photo shoot, look at me. Uh, being selfless is, is hard. It's hard to come by. But teams that are great have that, uh, that, uh, the ability to have a lot of guys who are selfless. They are tough mentally and physically. They're tough on the field, and they're tough to be able to handle whatever the results are off the field. And then usually they're teams that execute. They're disciplined, they're accountable, and they execute. And those three things right now jump out to me. Gene Chizik, uh, he has a, a task of getting North Carolina's defense right. back on track. As you pointed out yesterday, there's good talent in Chapel Hill on that side of the ball. Well, it's certainly improved. And, you know, just listening to his comments, particularly the last few comments he made there, you know, sometimes we overcomplicate this game, right? And, you know, when, when talent is fairly equitable, it's going to come down to sometimes not the plays you make, but the mistakes that you don't, period. I mean, it's uh, do we block? Do we tackle? All right. How are we in the kicking game? Um, I think that what they've got to get back to is, you know, straining to the football, leveraging the football, run fits, all things that are technically coachable things that your kids are either going to perform or they're not going to perform. And those things don't have anything to do with talent. You're either going to buy in and you're going to do what you're coached to do. And if you do, your talent will rise to the occasion. 
If you don't, you could be as talented as the next guy or another five guys over there. And if you're not doing what you're coached to do, you're going to sit on the sideline next to the coach. I mean, it's it's that simple. So I think it's about reinstituting a, a mindset of accountability, of performance over all else. I mean, performance and production over all else is what you'll be judged upon and what we're all judged upon in that game. You know, I know you did their uh, spring game, but... People are going to concentrate, and I think the media will concentrate on, all right, Sam Howell's not here. Who's right. the quarterback? But in my opinion, North Carolina turning that thing around, and I, I think they're more than capable of turning it around. I think it starts on the defensive side. They've got to be better. Yes. I mean, if, if they're going to get to where they want to be, they're going to score. They got one. I mean, Josh Downs is still over there. You're talking about the ultimate Frisbee catching dog. Oh, man. And he's a star. Yeah, he's an NFL star. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's going to have to start on the defensive side. And I just think they've recruited so well the last couple of years. And you know this better yeah. than anybody. It's what you do. That at some point in time, those have to connect. I mean, there's yes. got to be a connection of, hey, we got dudes. Now let's go play right. football and take this defense from here to here. Because if that happens, the offensive part, they'll figure that part out. I mean, because I, I think they've got options at quarterback, but the defense has to get better in 22. There's no question. I think it, it potentially revolves around a few areas. Number one, limiting explosive plays. Just giving up way too many big plays. And and I think that that ties into, in many regards, tackling, yeah. which well, has become one of the most... Thereof. Yeah, which, which becomes, which has become one of the most difficult things to do because everybody's scared to death of injury. You want to limit contact in practice, but then you're expected to go out there when it's all live and it's 100 miles an hour and expected to be a good tackling football team. That's really, really hard to do. And then I think up front, they've gotten so much better personnel-wise, but they've got to get back to just unleashing guys. Like a Desmond Evans is a prime example. I think they tried to make him into something that he wasn't. And you know what he is? He's an edge pass rusher. Line him up there and say, go get that guy. Sick him. Sick him. Let's go. Turn these guys loose. Let's not think. Let's go. You know, so I think those three areas are really important. Yeah, reaction football, right? Yeah. You got great athletes, man. Oh, yeah. But Gino's what he's doing. And uh, again, I know we had a good time with him when he was in our business. Yeah. He's terrific. Uh, but he loves the coach. And he's exactly where he needs to be. Well, you know what, be. though? Coaching when you're not under the strain of putting food on the table. Right. The heck of a lot more fun. No. Well, right? like, or like when you don't else. have to work. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when you have the ability to say no, it's the best sure. position in life to be in. When you could say, you know what? I just don't need to do that. Right. Catch you later. Exactly but if I love it, which he does love to coach. No doubt. Uh, he can do it. So. Good. I'm happy for Gene to be back in the business. Uh, when we come back, we have some pressing questions that need to be answered. That's it. If you watch the first 15 minutes of the show, you'll know what we're talking about. We will put a bow on this bad boy when we come back. Tom Luganville in for Wes. It's Packer and Durham on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Duck sized horses or one horse sized duck? Dang. It's the same time. One horse sized duck. Do I get like a weapon? Do I have shoes on? Does a horse sized duck have like claws? Give me that horse sized duck. One horse sized duck. I'm going to go with one horse sized duck. It's a horse sized duck. That's a huge duck. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna take the 15 ducks. Yeah, that quack's probably ten times as loud. Puss in Boots, have you seen that movie? There's like a giant goose that like is like the main villain and that scarred me as a kid. What'd you say? I don't know yet. You're gonna bleed you gonna fast, fast though, I'll run away from fast. I'm fast. You're fast and it can fly. You can't fly. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he sees this. He's not that fast. 
I don't want to fight a horse. I got to go with 15 ducks. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Big debate in Tiger Town on this question. Tom, tag your it. What are you doing on this one? Uh, horse-sized duck. Horse-sized duck. Remember, ducks don't have arms, all right? So they're, they're limited in their weaponry. And if you had 15, what was it? Horse. Duck-sized horses? Duck-sized 15 horses. 15 duck-sized horses. They can fly. So they could surround you. They could peck at you to death. Have you ever seen the birds? Yeah. Yes, they can. Ducks fly. The, the boys are yelling at you that the ducks can fly. Oh. The size that, of that, ducks. Does that change your approach? Yeah, I guess maybe it does. First of all. Duck-sized horses. Like a Pegasus. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but a horse-sized duck boy, could you fly. Know you know, the Clemson football team is watching the show right now going, boy, these two idiots this on television. This is hard. We handled this with an ease. We these didn't look guys, like any bigger idiots than they did. Well, they're making – listen, they're watching this right now going, these two morons on television was, yeah, can't was, even handle the I, question. I was tricked. I, I guess, yeah, the, the duck-sized horses First of all, can I just say one thing? Horses bother me. I, I, I've said this from day one. Their heads are too big. Okay. I don't like getting near them. They're beautiful creatures. Right. I want to go to the Kentucky Derby. Does that tie but into is this? A, is a giraffe's head too big for its uh, neck? No, because I'm not going to hang out with a giraffe, even though I have fed a giraffe once. Yes. And that made I me nervous, too. too. <laughs> they got big heads, man. Those animals, yeah. you get getting those animals with big heads, they bother me. But a horse-sized duck, you'd have wings and the back legs, and you'd have a... Very exposed chest. Right? I feel like you could, uh, uh, you could like. How about duck a l'orange? Does that count to answer this question in any shape or form? Can we put it on a grill? <laughs> or is this that is awful? hard. There, there, let me ask you this: Is there is there like some type of thing that we're missing that makes this answer easy? Like, is there no, is there a definitive? A per, no, it's a personal it's preference. It's personal like you putting preference. together the all ACC okay. robotic team that we did earlier right. this hour. It, it's there are no rules. You come up with by well, however you want to do it. There's no actually right answer. It's just up to you. Don't spend. And listen, you got a big flight ahead of you. I know. To I'm going to spend the entire time I'm thinking about this. I'm by the time you're going over the Grand Canyon, you're going to go, oh, I got the answer. I think that's what's going to happen. No. And I'm going to call in. No. Yep. Don't call in. I'm going to call in. You so guys what's will your be answer? sitting there sipping out of your mugs. What's your answer here? Um, Mine's easy. Yours is easy? Mine's easy. 15. Uh, one horse-sized duck. 15. No, because one horse-sized duck, dude. I mean, I've met Secretariat. I told that story the other day. Right. Secretariat wouldn't have fit in this uh, studio. Right. In this basement. I don't want any part of that under any circumstance. But sec- but sec- a horse has four legs. I don't care. We think faster than you. Yeah. But the horse-sized duck, the little duck's going to be on his little back legs. He's going to be waddling. Even if he's big, yeah. I mean, he's not galloping <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. What? Not to overanalyze this because we've already because we haven't done that already. We've already wasted America's time on this question, anyhow. <laughs> but if you're going to tell me there is a duck the size of a horse, mm-hmm. how large do you think its beak is? Size of your automobile all parked out front? Size of that? Yeah, but they don't Cherokee? have any teeth. I don't care. They peck you from 35 feet away. The answer is 15. Yeah, but what if they're like alligators where no, they're all of their power is going there's down? There's no alligators. But there's no power. Can we get to up. your question? Because we have overanalyzed so I, this. I gapped the beak. No, you, you're not doing anything. Rassle it. You're not doing anything. All right, let's get to the one that's, that's you're the this one, is really good. You asked this question leading off the show today. 
So we'll it's go a ahead good question. Pose the question to America. All right. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I was informed by a pack that I couldn't, you can't pick a genre. No, you can't say, I'm going to eat Mexican food. That right, doesn't okay. care. It has to be an item in a genre. Right. You got to say a burrito, a quesadilla, okay. if that's where you want to Tag go. your it. Well, the answer is Italian. You just said you no, can't. I'm, <laughs> I'm messing with you. Uh, uh, I would, um, you know what? Being a, a North Carolina boy, I'm going barbecue. I'm going to go a chopped barbecue sandwich from Lexington Barbecue with the barbecue slaw. I could eat it every day of my life and never get sick of it. Really? Let, let the Lexington barbecue sandwich. So pulled uh, pork. Pulled pork, barbecued slaw, great buns. That's all that's I need. It. Do you need any type of like vinegar sauce, white sauce? Any, what, no, it's, what? it's in there. Oh, it's in there. It's in okay. there. And again, I, I, I love all barbecue. So if you're from Texas watching the show going, pack our briskets. Or Memphis. Or Memphis. Yeah. Hey, I love it all. I'm not going to discriminate. But I get one thing. I'd pick the barbecue sandwich from Lexington Barbecue. Okay. For the rest of my life. I'm going nachos. Oh, that's a good call. Now, and the whole key, though, to said nacho is if you've got a platter. If right? I had 15 duck-sized horses. So you got a, you got an oval-sized platter. The whole key to the quality nacho is it has to be layered properly. I agree with we that. We can't have any of this willy-nilly nonsense it of going It gets top-heavy. And then getting top-heavy. Top-heavy you got to professionally lay the first layer. Well, if you get a really great thing of nachos, yeah. it's done that way. You know, you know, right? And then all of a sudden you go to some of these, you know, fly-by-night outfits right. that, that are advertised, unfortunately, way too much. You get the thing, the guy just dumps it on the top. and got to be layered. You get five or six good ones and everything else is dry. Got to look. And if you see something on a menu somewhere and it says mountain of nachos or triad of nachos or something, that might be an indicator they may be doing it right, but you got to get a visual on it. It's probably not. Got to get a visual on it. We have to have a proper layering. And I'll be honest with you, more is not necessarily better. No, it's how each chip is individually addressed. Quality. Yes. I'm with you on that. Yeah. You're not on the same page with that. And there's nothing worse than when you order nachos because they always look good. Oh, yeah. Before anybody touches the first one. They all look spectacular. You pick up the one chip. And then you pick up the one chip. And and everything's you, blank. Right. And then underneath, it's like, it, it's as bald as the top of my head. You're like, well, this sucks. It's not going to work. You can't do that. No. You got it ripped off. Yeah. Or here's the other thing. The ratio of cheese has to be right, too. Sometimes they get too, you know, hey, it's at the bottom of this. Just give this Just give this right. poor customer. We don't care. Right. Just get rid of it. Yeah. Too much cheese ruins it. Well, yeah, you got to have a proper, and you got to have a proper not only distribution of cheese, but sometimes you get throwing different types of cheeses, right? And then you got to determine: Are you a jalapeno guy? Or are you not a jalapeno guy? Are you a guacamole guy? Or are you a sour cream That's guy? It. Are you a, a a pico guy? A salsa guy? Are you a ground beef? Maybe steak and chicken. Maybe a combination. Maybe it's a shrimp nacho. Maybe it's a buffalo chicken nacho. I'm with you. You and I are on the same page. Go. Can't argue with you on that. Kind of like our top three summer blockbusters. Pretty. pretty uh, we were close there. on that too. Uh, Caddyshack I and uh, I keep your... playing. <laughs> yeah, I think the heavy stuff's going down for quite uh, a while. It. You got it. You got it. Uh, great job, everybody, back in Bristol. Uh, Lisa, Angela, Drew, in the back row is always great. Dude, have a great trip. Yeah, enjoy the last couple days. Always fun with you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, West Durham is scheduled to be back with us tomorrow the rest of the week. That's the deal. That's the rumor. (laughs) And a big announcement tomorrow. All that comes your way. Packer and Durham right here on ACC. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. 
Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.